You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing the benefits and hype surrounding calcium releasing materials. Our guest is Dr. Rolando Nunez, a dentist who is currently the manager of clinical affairs for BISCO and holds a master of science degree in biomaterials from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Dr. Nunez, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thank you for the invitation, uh, Dr. Klein. It's always nice to be here in, in your podcast. Yeah, so uh, we, we had previous podcasts by you, Bonding to Zirconia. You've had very, very good information provided in that podcast, uh, and I encourage all of our listeners to tap into that. And we also did one on universal adhesives, and there was an interesting perspective on universal adhesives that I think Dr. Nunez covered very well. Today, we're going to be talking about calcium-releasing materials. So let's begin with what is the benefit of calcium-releasing materials in restorative dentistry? Wow, that's, a, that, that, that's an interesting question. You know, calcium-releasing materials have been around for a long time. Calcium hydroxide for endo purposes. You make a, a mixture of calcium hydroxide powder and saline solution, put it in there, seal it, leave it there for a few days, maybe a week, open it up, everything is great. What happens is that in that environment, you have an alkaline pH that will inhibit bacterial growth. Okay, so this has been going on for a long time. There is a lot of publications out there about the benefits of calcium releasing and also on the benefits of alkaline pH. So dentistry has taken advantage of this. You know, one of the most used products in dentistry is called DICAL, calcium hydroxide in paste-paste form, DICAL being the most popular. Um, here in the United States, it might not be as popular as in other places, but I get to travel all over and DICAL is still being used. And one of the reasons it's being used is because when it's placed properly and under the right conditions, calcium release will help into the generation of new dentin formation in order to seal a, an exposed pulp. So th there are a lot of benefits of calcium release out there in dentistry. So calcium hydroxide, as an endodontist retired, we used to use it all the time. Now, of course, we're going more towards one visit endodontics, even in non-vital cases. So we're not using it as much. But as you said, you mix it with saline, the calcium hydroxide powder, and, and it really does work very well long term. It even can help with apexification on certain cases. Um, but... When you talk about the DICAL, so when I was in dental school, we used it routinely, but then we've moved away from it. Why have we moved away from DICAL in, in the U.S.? Because there are other things that work better. DICAL doesn't bond or doesn't stay on the tooth. It becomes kind of mushy over time. It dissolves over time. And again, it, it worked and still works, but there are other things that are less soluble, um, more stable, and that will actually have a better effect than DICAL. DICAL has in its formula, not only calcium hydroxide, but it's, it's got plasticizers, inhibitors, accelerators. It's got a little bit of junk. So that is one of the main reasons why people have moved away. But you can still find it in the U.S. and all over the world. Every dental school or most dental schools teach the use of, of DICAL as a pulp capping agent. Do you want to give us an example of what kind of materials have moved to the forefront, maintaining the calcium releasing activity that DICAL had, but offers well, more benefits? Yeah, I mean, you have MTA-based materials, you know, mineral trioxide, 
aggregate. It's just a, a wonderful concoction of these uh, of calcium releasing, you know, ions and calcium silicate is what makes a difference right there. MTA is Portland cement to a certain degree, and um, you know the guys that uh, I believe was uh, Loma Linda, Dr. Tarbatinaja did a fantastic amount of research on this. And, you know, products like Pro Root come out, and they work on perforations and percas and for endo use, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, at least I asked myself that question many years ago. Well, if this stuff works so great for endo, why don't we use it for restore them, you know? And then, of course, many companies had the same question or, you know, and they started developing their stuff. Companies like Septadon came out with products like Biodentine, very effective, very interesting product. Um, we as a company came out with something called Theracal, which is our most sold product right now is a calcium releasing product that is used for pulp capping and lining. Um, same with biodentine, you know. So um, those two products are really interesting, but there are a lot of products out there that release calcium that are used for both pulp capping and lining. So these materials, how have they changed the drill and fill mindset? And, and what doors have they opened when it comes to restoring the tooth? In, in my mind, we need to protect the dentin. Dentin is frail. Uh, dentin is very variable. It's acceptable to, you know, acid attack. Um, enamel is strong, but dentin is it's complex. So even though a lot of people, you know, promote the whole idea of bonding to dentin directly, not putting any liners or anything, I believe in protecting the dentin. Um, and uh, using one of these products, calcium releasing products, uh, you know, as a first layer, and then on top of it, you do your bonding. It's really interesting because you have that uh, material in direct contact with the dentin surface. And this is not new. This is not new. You know, a lot of people use glass ionomer, you know, sandwich technique and all that. So when you say drill and fill, um, I, I think that there are two thought process or school of thought, which is, you know, the guy who bonds directly to the dentin, regardless of the depth of the preparation and the guy who protects the dentin. So uh, is biodentine or, or Theracal LC more effective than using a glass ionomer? I personally think it is, they are. It, it is way more effective than glass ionomer or resin modified glass ionomer. I think fluoride is a wonderful thing, but like every dentist in the world, but calcium for dentin, I believe is better. So what's the mechanism for Theracal and and tell us how it's used clinically? Well, Theracal is a light cured calcium containing, calcium silicate containing, you know, pulp capping agent slash liner. That's a huge, huge um, descriptor right there, but that's what it is. So if you're gonna use it as a liner, what you need to do is, you know, do your preparation, remove the caries, um, and then place it in the deep areas of that preparation, leaving the dentin moist. Now, Theracal is very opaque. So if you put it too thick, more than one millimeter, when you light cure it, you're going to be able to cure the top, but maybe the bottom will not cure properly because it, it 
the light will not go through the material because it's opaque. So it can, you know, it can just flake away. So you need to be careful with that. Moist dentin, applying in a layer uh, less than one millimeter and light cure it well. And then on top of that, you can do your bonding procedure like total edge or selective edge or self edge, place your composite and then you're good. A lot of people tell me that, oh, I'm gonna use it and then I'm gonna place uh, a, a glass enamel on top. Well, there is no true need to do that, but if you want to, that's fine. But you can do your bonding procedure on top of Theracal. So that's probably the most used indication of, the, of Theracal LC in the world. So you could have a pulp exposure as well, a pinpoint pulp exposure on a vital tooth, and that would be indicated Theracal. Yes, yes. Um, it can be used, uh, even though there is a lot of controversy regarding the use of resins on top of uh, you know, exposed pulp. Um, and there is a reason for that, and it's totally understandable. Um, research out there talks about you know, how resin has uh, a, an effect on the pulp. Um, however, uh, sometimes you read the, the papers, and the papers are, you know, the, the experimental design is not optimized. But, you know, we can have another podcast on experimental design. I can hmm. tell you that Theracal has uh, clinical data that supports the use of Theracal LC as a pulp capping agent. And when done properly and when indicated, it will work. And I, and I, I want to take a little bit more time to make a point here. You need to have the right patient to do this procedure, you know, clinically talking. We're not talking about what scientifically what the product does, you know, from a lab perspective. Clinically, patient must be, you know, without any symptoms. Patient, you know, pinpoint exposure can be something too big. You should be able to control the bleeding in less than two or three minutes. If it takes you more than that, the patient needs to go to endo. You know, you, you, you can't have a bunch of caries around, you know, really soft dentin around that exposure because that means that bacteria went in there, you know. Um, and, and then, of course, the age of the patient, location of the exposure. Are you isolating? There are so many variables. So in order to just be, you know, bluntly say, oh, this will work or won't work, well, you need to think about everywhere from proper diagnostics to proper treatment of the exposure and then the application of the product. Right. If the patient's symptomatic of any yeah. sort whatsoever, yeah. you, you would not, not even mess with that. Well, you know, it, 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 I practiced dentistry since, uh, you know, 1993 all the way until 2014. That's 21 years. Clinical dentistry. I ran an office and, you know, I was responsible for every single patient that, you know, came through that door. And I learned over time or I decided based upon my clinical findings that if the patient had any symptoms, I was going to avoid doing a pop capping procedure. It just was not worth it. It was not. But I did some pop capping and some of those were successful and some of those were not. But that's what you have to deal when you're doing restorative dentistry. What is the actual mechanism 
by which Theracal works. So you're placing a thin layer under a millimeter. It's light cured. You put it right against the dentin. The dentin's been proficiently cleaned, hopefully with like a low speed or a hand instrument. So you're pretty sure the decay is gone. You might have a pinpoint exposure somewhere. You may not even see it. Um, in the case, if you do have a pinpoint exposure and it's bleeding, you want to make sure that the bleeding stops, you said, within a couple of minutes. What is the activity of that material? What does it do over time? Well, the first thing that's going to happen is that once you cure it, you know, the product generates an alkaline pH, all right, by calcium release. Trying to add calcium hydroxide to a resin matrix has been done in the past, unsuccessfully, though. Uh, your bis-GMA matrix is very hydrophobic and does not allow any water to go through the matrix. So if you don't have water, you don't have ion exchange. You need water to go through. However, if you have water going through the matrix, the matrix will be soluble, will be more prone to hydrolytic degradation. So what Bisco, what we did at Bisco was to, you know, develop a matrix that allows for water to go in, to have ion exchange. However, we also developed a matrix that did not degrade over time due to the presence of water. So that took about 10 years. That was not easy, took a while. But Theracal releases ions, all right? Releases ions, calcium ions, and these will interact with the dentin surface by generating an alkaline pH, okay? And these ions will go into the dentin surface. You know, there are some um, studies out there that talk about precipitation of crystals, okay? in buffered solution. So um, the generation of an alkaline pH and the possible precipitation of crystals is what ma is making Theracal really effective in, in these kind of treatments. So you actually get antibacterial activity through that ion exchange. Um, you said it, I didn't say it. Okay, <laughs> what does that mean? It's awful. Well, Okay, well, okay, let, 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 let me put it this way. You can't make that um, claim, I guess, huh? I cannot make that claim. It, 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 and unfortunately, it, it's a matter of, of, of regulatory bodies like the FDA, and we have to comply and we have to follow the rules. You know, as a company, you can always decide to just make claims that are kind of wishy-washy or like borderline not correct or you can do the right thing and just claim what you can claim and what you cannot you don't um you know we have all these buzzwords out there you know bioactive and all of that you know and and, and a lot of the products are not cleared by the fda to make those kind of claims and it's not easy you know to make those kind of claims it, right but when you when you bring the ph up what is it eight nine i'm not sure what the ph of the ion exchange about, about 12 okay that that high Okay, so you bring the pH up to 12, isn't that by definition antibacterial or no? Well, it, let me put it this way, and this is funny, and I'm sure our regulatory guys are going to listen to this podcast. Um, I am not saying that Theracal LC kills bacteria. I'm saying that uh, Theracal LC will generate an alkaline pH. Now, it's been documented in, in the research uh, out there published that alkaline pH has inhibitory effect on bacterial growth. Um, it has been documented. This is not new. 
um, there's always the, 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 the confrontation between being misleading and, you know, you're not saying this works this way, but you're kind of implying it. I am not. I'm making sure of that here in this podcast. Antibacterial activity uh, due to alkaline pH has been documented, has been documented, okay? And what you just said is 100% true. However, the only thing I can say about Theracatalc is that it generates an alkaline pH environment. Right. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I'm saying this is because in my endodontic residency, we were pounded day after day to use calcium hydroxide in the root canal on non-vital cases that uh, we felt were that needed some extra help in the healing process. That was way before the days where we were even thinking about one visit endo um, on non-vital teeth. This calcium hydroxide that we put in was clearly stated to be antibacterial. It killed the bugs inside the root canal. So, I totally, I, 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 and again, this has been documented, and this is a concept that is coming from the endo world at least in dentistry, or the people that did a lot of endo or were involved in endo knew this, and this is not new to dentistry, okay, but it's just a matter of how you deal with the information and how you present it to the public without making a false claim. I have to, I have to walk on eggshells every time somebody asks me something like that, because I am an employee of Bisco Incorporated, and I am, um, you know, uh, responsible uh, of protecting the interests of the company that I work for. And also, I like to say that I'm, I am a responsible, compliant, you know, member of this company that will not break the rules. Yeah, no, no, totally respect that. So uh, as we wrap up this podcast, the bottom line is calcium releasing materials play an important role in direct restorative procedures, actually indirect also, right? I mean, you can put this before you're placing a, a indirect crown. Um, and these materials, the one that you're specializing in yourself is Theracal, which is, uh, you said, is one of your biggest selling materials. So obviously a lot of dentists are buying this. And it's, we just wanted to cover that in this podcast, that it plays a role in restorative dentistry. Dical, we talked about earlier, is kind of still being used internationally, but certainly is not on the uptrend in the U.S. It's an older material that has deficiencies, like you mentioned, it dissolves, it has weak compressive strength and a number of other reasons. So this material that we're talking about now, this calcium releasing material has a resin component in it that probably gives it the the, the extra strength that it needs and, and the bonding capabilities. Is that basically summarize it? Absolutely, absolutely. And we're gonna have to try to do another podcast that talks about other calcium releasing products that Visco has. But I think it's very important for this one, you know, for Theracal LC uh, to be mentioned because it is kind of unique in its category. It is kind of unique and, and it's really cool, easy to use, and and I really like this product, okay? Um, but there are others, such as Biodentine, that releases calcium silicate. Yeah, um, we appreciate that uh, fair and balanced approach, Dr. Nunez, so that our listeners can make that choice on their own. But uh, it actually, in my opinion, it gives more credibility to your podcast. Thank you very much for your time, Dr. Nunez. We love working with you. We have another one coming up called the First Aid Kit for Intraoral Repairs, which I think is going to be really good because every dentist experiences those cases where something chips off small or and they don't want to have to redo the whole restoration and uh, they need something that's going to repair it and stay as long as possible 
to give that restoration uh, more life. So we're going to be talking to you about that in the future. And until then, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for the invitation, uh, Dr. Klein. My pleasure.